Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Surefire Live. Hope you guys are having a good night. I uh, drank my first uh, little, I, I'm, I love the holidays, and so I drank eggnog for the first time. Well, I got some a couple days ago, but most people hate eggnog, but uh, a lot of people do. I love it. So anyway, I started the holidays early. Hope you guys are doing well. We, um, I tried to put out a few more invites this time because I noticed that some of a lot of the, uh, a lot of this has it was coming out as private, like the the links and stuff. People, it just wasn't working. It wasn't getting out there. So, um, and then I would go back and see that it the account was marked as private when it went out, so no one could see it. So anyway, I tried something different. Some people were sending me some things that it was working on some platforms, not others. So we'll see. But I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, recently, I traveled over to Europe. And I uh, was watching what was happening. I was a delegate for our industry uh, in, a, in some meetings with other service companies over there and seeing what was happening. And then recently I went to Tommy Mello's event, Home Service Freedom, which uh, I really didn't know much about. Um, several years ago, I was on his podcast, but he, he it was kind of as he was starting to blow up but then he like really blew up and uh it was neat to see the network that he has and what he brought to what he's doing and it there was some things in there that I was really surprised about and then when you actually see them all together in uh working together you know it was pretty exciting for me honestly and i think several people there if you implement these ideas they look like they're pretty changing, you know, life changing, business changing. And I wanted to talk about those tonight. And it's an open conversation too, like whatever you guys think as the future. I also asked Chat GPT some questions and I was going to go over those. So um, so it looks like I got a nice little crowd building. I uh, I wanted to show something kind of funny at this event. You may think it's funny, you may think it's not funny at all, depending on your political leanings, but at this event, they had a Donald Trump impersonator, and he was just hilarious. So he did a little skit beside me to talk about something. So let me see if I can bring it up here. Yeah, so let me see. Can I play it from here? No, i got to go to here. See if I can. How do I play that? Uh, so you can see that. So why can't we play it? It's on another screen, but why is it? I can't see it. Uh, shoot. Uh, I'll mess with it in a minute. Um, <clears throat> anyway, it's it's him talking like Donald Trump. Let me see if it's down here. No, can't do that. Anyway, we'll keep going. Uh, all right, so I'm going to... Um, I'm going to lead off by saying welcome. Uh, again, comments are open, so if you want to talk, say hey, just uh, welcome, uh, and we will talk. So I talked about going over to uh, Austria this year for the uh, Chimney Safety Institute of America, and 
uh, to the European Chimney Sweep Federation. And, you know, a couple of the problems that they're fe- facing over there, I'm worried are going to come to us. One of them is regulation and basically the banning of our, you know, of fossil fuels. And uh, got a first thing. Good evening. Um, so why is it showing? I hit show. Oh, there it is. Okay. I have some technical difficulties. Sorry. Uh, uh, so, you know, they're facing a big regulatory issue where they're basically banning chimney sweeps from even being in, in, in the world. They are, you know, since it's, uh, in, your, in Germany, it's, it's a government job. So they're trying to figure out what to do with their government employees. And um, so they're changing them all to work on electric heat pumps. And that's their big thing. Um, warm and pumping so they're moving them to that which is really frustrating for for me to watch and there's other european countries that aren't taking that drastic of a thing but over there they're moving them to that and i i did a you know i did some quick numbers over there and uh and i kind of brought it up to them and of course it's like I, what I'm going to say doesn't mean anything to them, but it should mean something. It means we have to really be an advocate and really fight back against this. But in Germany, I did some quick numbers, 21 million wood stoves in Germany of a, of a country of 88 million people. 21 million of the best serviced, best quality fireplaces probably in the world. They are the highest standards. Their chimney sweeps don't just sweep chimneys. They do particulate calculations. They they burn them, make sure they're not putting anything into the air. They are very high efficiency. They don't have open fireplaces like we do. They have very close systems. The best, the best chimneys in the world, probably. And their government's trying to get rid of them. And then I said, well, you know, when you look at China, when, and I did some some searching and roughly 500 million wood stoves over there burning just total crap, just whatever. India, 200 and some million. Russia, 200 million. Africa, they're all in the 200 plus million wood stoves. A lot of people heat with wood and there's no it's not about the environment at all. And I was like, if you guys totally got rid of your chimneys completely, you won't. And you believe that chimneys are part of the equation of global warming. You're not going to change anything at all, yet you're going to ruin an entire history of of a thing and an entire – you're going to wipe out the whole service industry. And you're not going to change a thing. You're going to totally get rid of it and not change anything. And, uh, you know, they were kind of interested in in the guys there were because it's their livelihood. But I'm like, you guys are going to have to fight back. You guys are going to have to just not take it on the chin and do something about it. But when you let the government control the whole service industry, you're kind of at their whatever they want to do, you have to do. That was one thing is that they're really trying to get rid of us. In our industry, we have a group of people that are trying to make our industry Almost every chimney is completely is messed up. It has to be fixed at huge amounts of money. And every chimney is a hazard and dangerous, pretty much. If we take this message and totally don't open it up to people wanting to use a fireplace, able to use a fireplace, don't have to spend a fortune to use a fireplace, there's nobody going to fight for us if they say get rid of fireplaces because they're going to say, hey, Fireplaces are all all fire hazards anyway. 
we don't, and you don't want to spend twenty thousand dollars to fix your fireplace. So, um, so nobody's going to fight for the right to use them because we're going to tell everybody they're a hazard. So we have to be very, very careful with our messaging and what we're putting out there. If every chimney has major problems, and the government says, "Guess what? We're nobody can have chimneys anymore." Who's going to fight for us? Nobody is going to have an issue with it. Now, this is my opinion. They're going to have a whole other group of people that say, hey, write down everything that's wrong and really make sure they don't use this fireplace. Warn them, warn them, warn them. We are going to kill ourselves. We are going to kill, help kill this industry right off the cliff. It's already trying to happen. And if our message is every chimney is messed up, every chimney is a complete hazard, there's no chimneys built right, what are we doing to ourselves? So we, we have to wake up about what our message is in this industry. Now, there's whole people that are, they've built their whole industry, their whole business on tons of problems. And, and I understand that. I understand that we have to warn. But we have to be careful about how we warn and that how we can be better advocates for Woodburner. Not everything's problem. Pay me $10,000 to $20,000 and then you can use your fireplace safely. Okay. Secondly, over there in uh, Sweden, uh, one of my friends over there is uh, watching a company buy all the chimney companies over there. Big investment firm, big, big company. They're now the biggest chimney company in the world over there by far. By, they have 600 to 1,000 employees now that are all these chimney companies and trucks, and, and they, they own the system. Um. So the uh, so here uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I sleep very well at night knowing if I properly educated my clients on the dangers of the dilapidated system. I get that. I, I especially if it's a dilapidated system, you you have to. But I think we have to be very careful. At that's what our message is, and you're going to have to figure out what that is for you. I personally like a different message, and and that's not really what this. Well, I'm talking about home services future, not chimneys. I just say we have to be careful that that's what we always put out there. And, man, you've got your own business and you sleep well at night. I'm just saying our industry cannot just be fighting for everything wrong on every single job and then expect that we have uh, people that want chimney sweeps around. And, and the government, it, it's just going to be it's a message that we have to be careful about. We have to celebrate the joys of owning a fireplace and the, it, not just the fires. I understand you feel like you, you know, that's, it is your job and that's part of what we do. But I, I'm just telling you, the better we get at this and the main thing we do is tell everybody how wrong everything is. I'm just telling you, there's no good anybody there to fight for you. In Germany, they, um, they don't really, if you got something wrong, you can't use your fireplace. Like they, you can't use it at all. You can, because the chimney sweep is ultimately responsible if there's a fire. So again, they, they come along and uh, they have the best systems in the world and they're getting rid of them. So uh, on the other side in Sweden, uh, there's companies buying all the chimney companies up. Why would they buy them up? When I just said they're getting rid of them in Germany on Sweden, they have contracts with the villages and they're not, they're not so on the front end of the, um, of the environmental thing. They're kind of, they're, they're a step back from Germany on that. And what they're telling them is the contracts that these 
chimney companies have with towns have value to these investment firms. And they come in and they buy, um, they are buying these companies. Uh, private equity is not really going into so much tech, not shouldn't just say they're not going into it. They're looking for other options than tech companies. And that's what part of this event was that I went to was private equity is coming into the home services industry. And I'm going to talk about that, but um, they bought all these chimney companies up. My friend had a chimney company forever. They came, they bought him, they brought him on for four years. They paid him a lot of money and then he's able to live, do his thing. And then he's able to, um, he helps him actually buy more companies and so I thought that was really interesting. And they're looking at the United States, too, to come over and buy chimney companies uh, because they understand it. Uh, so that was very enlightening to me. Uh, they are on a rampage to buy home service companies. So HVAC is very big at being purchased. Uh, I saw a thing from Grant Cardone, who wrote the book 10X. He's in the HVAC space and they're going through buying HVAC companies. So I, I inquired because I have a very small HVAC company and I'm like, what are you looking at? And they responded back that you had to be, I think it was $5 million at least for them to look at you. And my HVAC company is not that. And uh, they said, but, you know, if you're under that, we've got a program to sell you to get you to $5 million to be considered to be purchased, right? And uh, so that was months ago. And then uh, it's, let me just read some of these. Uh, it says in Germany, there are very few open fireplaces. Exactly. So I, uh, they're the best systems in the world and they're closed. As far as in the United States, for the most part, is 1.9% of the U.S. population uses wood to heat their house. So very small percentage. So we're already on the very small percentage of people that even need us. So what people use us for typically is an, a, you know, an, a, a luxury, right? They don't really have to have the fireplaces. They got HVAC units. They got other things. Fireplaces just for the fun of it, just for the ambiance. Sometimes it's warmth. I'm not saying it's not completely, but the vast majority look up the stats. It looks like 1.9% of people of the population in the U S actually uses heat for their main, for their main heat source. So it's a very small amount of people. So they are open fireplaces. They're all built crappy. I get it. They all have these issues and the issues are getting more over time as they get dilapidated. I get that. I'm on the same message. I'm on the same understanding of, trust me. I know that I understand this, but that being said, we got to. I think we have to change our messaging a bit. Um, then uh, Josh says, "Hello, everyone. Hello, Josh." All right. So that being said, uh, these investment companies are um, are coming into the industry. So when I went to this home service freedom uh, event last week, and um, and I think other people have been to it before, and I, I've heard of Tommy, and I've heard of his events, but it was eye-opening for me to watch multiple facets of what's happening in our industry, and it's greatly, greatly changing. Question, so 1.9% fully heat with wood, but how many occasionally heat with wood are just record? Yeah, so I don't know that number. I think there's uh, 41 million masonry fireplaces in the United States from a number that I saw a while back. 
You're right. There's, I mean, that number is huge, but not necessary. They occasionally eat with it. Uh, probably the vast majority of people in the U.S. are using it recreationally because they like it around, you know, around the holidays. They use it a few times a year. I since I've been in the industry in in '85 when I got in. So many chimneys were super dirty when I went to sweep them. I mean, we would every day I would come back just filthy and just tons of creosote, bags of creosote, you know, in my truck to to throw away at the end of the night. Or, you know, it got so bad you always had to leave the creosote with the customer because there was so much of it you didn't want to haul around and be breathing that all the time. Just bags and bags and bags of creosote. Man, that doesn't happen anymore. We don't have that much like that, like we used to. I don't anyway. And, and again, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. It's more of a, a city environment. Maybe you do, but I'm just saying the vast majority of people aren't using them like they used to, not not anywhere near it. So by, by attrition, it, it's happening. Now, chimney companies are growing because we have big repairs. We have masonry. We have leaks. We have chimneys that have been built that are broken down. People don't use them at all. Probably the mass, vast majority of our customers we do big projects for do not burn their fireplace. And they're not playing on it. It's just leaking in their house or it's rotting or it smells or, it, you know, when they do use it, there's a problem. So that's that's our main customer and probably will be here on out. I, I, there's not going to be a revolution to start burning wood. I just don't want to see us push that that out completely. Um, make chimneys great again. <laughs> Exactly. Now we're talking, right? That's that's what I'm talking about. How do we make chimneys grady? And that's the message. Perfect. I can't see who said that, but bingo. Okay. So, hey, Joe, good to see you again. Uh, Tom, looks like Tom's watching. All right. So when I went to this event, a, a couple things happened. I'm going to actually read to you what Chat GPT said was the future of the home services industry. And this isn't totally applicable here, but it said the future of home service industry is likely to be shaped by various trends and developments. While I don't have access to specific future data beyond my knowledge, this is ChatGPT, I can provide some insights and trends, possibilities that are emerging that, uh, at that time. Keep in mind, the industry may have evolved further since then. So number one, technology integration. Technology expected to play a significant role in the home service industry. This includes adoption of smart home devices, um, Internet of Things, um, the technology to enhance convenience and efficiency, for example, smart thermostats, security systems, appliances, remote controlled, monitored AI powered virtual assistants, and may become increasingly prevalent. Now, I want to tell you, say this on the technology integration. What I really mean is how does it how does it affect me as a service provider? And technology integration was probably the number one thing that I came across, I came away with on my visit. I'm going to talk about the specific things in that that I feel that we really have to get a hold of. Uh, on-demand services, which in this case, I take it more like how fast can you get to the house? There was a roofer out there that had, in uh, not a roofer, HVAC guy out there, um, Ishmael Valdez, Valdez, he had his HVAC company. Year one, he got to $9 million. And in year seven, he was $150 million. And he um, and he sold to a private equity uh, investment firm at called the Wrench Group. Big, big company, huge. And they bought him. And when you looked at what, and when what, the, some of the stuff he said it, that made him super valuable, 
and this this was a theme. One, they could recruit top talent. And in the industry, there's a lot more HVAC technicians. So they're not a lot of times taking them from zero like we are in the chimney industry. But they had, um, and he had speed of service. His main thing was how fast he could get a guy to your house, advise you of a solution and get the solution installed. A lot of times he could do that in one, in the same day or the next day. He showed his system of, of it, how he did it, which was get the technician to the house, technician to the house. And then when the technician writes a report, as soon as when he was done writing the report, that technician did not then try to sell all the packages and financing and all that. He did not advise of the, of the solution. He just said, there's an issue. We're going to have our comfort advisor come out and speak to you about it. And a lot of times that comfort advisor was on the phone by the time before the guy left and setting up a time to come out there. And he'd come out the same day. He, he, they would come out, get out there and be out there showing them what the options were with a good, better, best or whatever. And the financing solutions, everything. And then when that customer said, I want to do it, they had repair crews that would were ready to go, ready to come right out with units ready to go and be there to install it the next day. The average in the industry for tickets for HVC SIPs are about $10,000. He averaged $21,000 as an average ticket sale. And, and the main reason was when somebody doesn't have heat or cooling, uh, they want it fixed right now. And he had a system to do that. That was absolutely incredible. Um, so his his whole thing was speed. When you are faster, you can charge more. And I fully believe that. We focus on that. We're not. I felt like we were fast as a company because I don't like being booked more than two weeks out. Two to three weeks is terrible in my book. I don't think we're doing a good job as a service company if I can't get to you faster. And sure enough, we're booked out past that. So I'm absolutely stressed that we are that we are we are that far booked out for customers because again alan rush talks about if people will wait a super long time to get you there if they'll wait months for you when you advise a solution they're not in a hurry to get that done either they'll wait and he's got all kinds of statistics on this if they'll wait they don't buy as much if they won't wait they if they're in a rush they will book you faster at a higher number and i fully believe that too so and I watched it happen with this HVAC company. He said, it's it's more about the speed. How fast can you be to the job? Not do the job fast. How fast can your setup be? So what was interesting was one technician just got in houses, did the inspections. And then when there was to say he did four day and one of them needed a, needed a replaced unit. Or he went to you know eight a day because he's not doing the whole thing whatever their process was. Then they handed it off to a comfort advisor. So that comfort advisor would have probably four to six a day with all these technicians that were then, hey, go see this, go talk to this person. And then the repair crew. So what they would do was every day in the morning, the sometimes the repair crews didn't have a full schedule yet because they're so fast. Like they didn't even have necessarily work for the next day. They were that fast. They have a group of guys that don't have jobs. They come in and are ready for the input. Then they um, they would send everybody on the first install, like three or four crews on the first install, which normally is one crew. 
but they would peel them off of that, off of that crew and say, okay, we got it. We, we have an install here and that crew would leave and go start on that install and they would peel them off. And so sometimes two crews would go on that and then they peel them off again. It was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating how fast they were and how fast they grew as a company. Now, some of us don't want that at all. Some of us are not interested in fast growing companies in the chimney business. I get that. And I'm. this is your race. This isn't my race. And what excites me may not excite you. And that's all totally fine. I'm not saying we need to, to uh, you need to do this. I'm just saying this is what the fastest movers in the industry are doing. And if and I like fast moving companies and I, I want to know how you do it. I may not do it exactly that way, but it was interesting to see how they I had no idea uh, how they how they did nine million the first year and 150 million in seven years. And uh, he sold it for a gigantic amount of number. And now he's, he's doing other stuff. So, hey, hey uh, Cody, good to hear from you. Yeah, a little late, but it's Jimmy time, baby. Good to see you, man. Um, so. Speed of service. I'd be interested to see what you guys are being booked out because we don't have. Again, I started the episode saying we aren't we aren't totally a um, a required service like HVAC is. So especially in the summer, people can die from it. In the winter, people can die from it. a lot more people die from from being too cold and too hot. But um, we're not as needed as HVAC, so we're more of a luxury service. So we don't have the speed. We don't have the heat loss. Get out there right now. Get out there seven days a week. We're in a different type of business. But when you when you do the, um, I, I lost the thing because I saw this. Uh, he said fast, cheap, good. You can have two, but not all three. Correct. Um, and I think what these guys are doing were fast and good. They had really great units. They sold at a super premium, but they were super expensive. And you're right about that. You can you can actually make a business on any of those. You can be fast and cheap. You can do, I mean, I, we don't like it in our industry at all, but there are, you know, that's what Walmart is. That's what, you know, Costco is. They're easy to get into. They've, they've sped up their line. So, man, Costco flies and they're pretty cheap and, and like, Chick-fil-A is fast and pretty cheap. They're actually, they're probably the best thing of all three. They're they're not the cheapest. They're not like Taco Bell, but man, they, they've figured that out. You can make money in all those. Very uh, almost can't have three, but maybe Chick-fil-A has had three. Um, but anyway, um, so that was his thing. And I'd be interested to see, uh, years ago, I did a study, um, I don't know that I'll put that out there. <laughs> that is hilarious, Scott. Um, but they did a study on the hearth industry. It was in Hearth and Hearth magazine, and it said um, it said that uh, gosh, somebody's. I got to answer this question. Would you say that Winston's and Ashbusters are the Walmart of the industry? Oh no, no, we're super expensive. I'm at the very most expensive in my market, actually by far. We're, we are not even close to being the cheapest guys. We are on the whole other than that. We're more like, in a way, Amazon. I want to be fast, but I'm very expensive. And that's the that's the road I picked, was fast and expensive. But that's what Ishmael picked, too. He picked fast and expensive. And people will buy that. People will absolutely buy that. And that's the kind of customer I wanted, was fast and expensive. Now, a lot of guys are expensive, and they're good. They're super expensive and they're slow. They're not fast. 
they're slow and they're good or people wait on that. And that's fine too. Uh, most of us are like that. And I still feel like I want to be faster than we are, but we're not. I, I, I would, and this may, this may come as a surprise, but I, all you need is work for tomorrow. For me, you know, if you've got work lined up for tomorrow, that's all that really matters. The further you get booked out and the longer it's booked out, the less it matters. You're actually losing money the longer it's booked out. And I talked about, talked with Sudi Bob about this years ago. Like, we have this wrong where we, we feel comfortable with a one month wait list or, you know, six weeks or two months or longer. And to me, that's, uh, you're absolutely losing money. But because all you can do is make money tomorrow or in at today to if you rolled in and today's empty, but you fill it up. That's all you that's all it really matters. We have a safety blanket and we feel good if it's booked out. We're like, oh, yeah, I got plenty of work. But actually, the faster you can turn that over, you start gaining work from other companies What the people can't wait. And I don't know if you notice this or not, but people are less patient than ever. They're, they're ready for it now, especially my gas log division, gas fireplaces. These people are calling and they want it right now because that button isn't working and their unit's not coming on. So how fast? And when I tell them, oh, we're booked out after Christmas right now, they lose their mind. And I hate it. And, and we, you know, we went through a downturn through the early part of the year. So we weren't able to staff up. Next year, I'm going to make sure we have a lot more technicians to take advantage of. And then the question is, what do you do in the off season? And that's a different that's a different thing. A lot of people stay small so they can be year round with this small crew, and then they just understand they're going to get overwhelmed in the summer, and, and you know they just play this game of balance. But and it's tough. It's real. I'm not saying it's not, but to be careful, we uh, or to be clear, I'm not Walmart. Neither is Winston's for sure. We're totally on the other end of that. Uh Mark is a prude. I'm not sure. Uh hey Darren, how are you, man? Good stuff. So many of my customers are service companies and they've been under tremendous stress in this economy. I love hearing stories about other service companies. Hey Darren. Darren is a um SAP uh he's a lifetime time friend of mine. We grew up together in the same neighborhood. And so good to see you, Darren. I, I know I missed my my visit to Florida and I need to come back. I need to see you, but uh, you're right, Darren. So maybe when I go over some of these things, it'll it'll hit on some of your issues that you're seeing as well. Um, that's interesting. But what about the quality? Yeah, I mean, so again, I, there's some guys that are very slow, almost artisan, you know, like Chris Pryor, for example, in our industry. A lot of people know Chris Pryor, one of the, probably the best chimney masons in the in the world, probably. He only did a couple of fireplaces a year. But he's the best. He only did a handful, you know, maybe, and, and I don't know this for sure, but when I would talk to him, a lot of his projects were at least, you know, several weeks, if not a month long, because they were amazing. And you hire him for this very slow artisan process. And that's his world. And that's what he wanted to do. And he's happy. So that's fine. But I, on the flip side of that, you can't service many people who who can, you know, these, there's some guys that are absolutely amazing at inspections and, and what they do. Amazing. But they, they can't replicate it. They cannot train it. Nobody can go to that. So in a way, yes, quality. So are we good? Or are we great? I would say we're very good trying to be better. Are there people that are absolutely great? And would I be better doing it myself? Yeah. I mean, I know that these guys, I've got, you know, 38 years. Could I do all of it better? 
in a lot of cases, yes. Now, my masons are better than me, but I love masonry. So I cared. I was slow. I did it right. But how many people are you going to take care of? And then when they can't get service, who do they go to? When you're so booked out, who do they end up going to? They go to a guy that's not qualified, not very good, not caring as much as you. So how can you train more and book more? Man, we got a lot of comments. We got a lot of comments. I love this. So HHT is the Walmart supply chain and cheap install. So yeah, so they figured that out too. HHT is in my area too. And I just hired a guy from HHT. He started two days ago. And, you know, they install eight, 10 plus per truck fireplaces a day, prefabs with pipe. And, and we know all that problem. And most of us are not in that world, but you're right, Cody. That is who is in that space. And as long as builders are there, builders need them. These guys make a lot of money doing that, uh, you know, and that that's their business model. Um, I knew the guy who owned the company that HHC bought here in Nashville, a good friend of mine. And he was all about the speed. But when the, um, when the housing market pulled back, he, he lost his tail and he had no work. It was a bad deal for him. Uh, okay. You can only work one day at a time. Exactly. Lee, Lee was, uh, Lee was at this event. Lee, I'd like to hear your comments. You saw what I saw and um, please feel free to, you know, jump in here and, and say uh, things I missed or things that stuck out, stuck out to you. Cause I know things were, um, they sort of came uh, Oh, okay, so uh, so uh, Jonah says, um, generally, is be happy to consult for your company for a price. We can talk about that next other. Oh, <laughs> I got you. Uh, all right, what's up, Mark? Hey, guys, I'm not sure who this is. Sometimes you got to give permission so for me to see people. Most builders are about the same level of increment as realtors and home inspectors. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of truth in that. You know, the, those track home builders, they don't care. Uh, quick story. So that the company HHT bought, it was called Fireworks in, in Nashville. And they put tons of units in every day and charged super cheap. And, and they gave us a lot of work because they, they had, you know, paid the people terribly and it's, it's not good, but they would take a chainsaw with them out on the job. And when the framing was wrong, and it, their unit, you know, so I messed up the framing. They just took the chainsaw, cut off the header, cut out whatever they had to cut out. They called it cutting out the cancer, put the unit in, and then the, the builder had to come back and fix the framing because that's the deal they had. And I asked him two days ago, I said, did you guys still carry chainsaws to remove framing? He goes, uh, no, when HHT bought it, we removed the chainsaws from the van. <laughs> and so I, he said, we stopped that practice. I'm like, you know, that was fast. That was the fast get it done thing. And, and I'm not about that. I'm not saying that's good, but I'm saying that it is a model that works for some. And some people want to buy that. They will buy the super fast, cheap guy for different reasons, you know, and, and you've probably bought something super cheap in the past and it, and it worked fine. If somebody tells me that somebody's cheap, that means they're not good. They're, they're completely wrong. There are super cheap guys, che cheaper guys than you that are better than you. There just are. And there's more expensive guys that are worse than you, right? If you can say the one, you got to say the other. If there are guys charging tons of money, they're not as good as you. Well, that's what I'm saying. There are cheaper guys. It can get almost anything done cheap if you're willing to wait long enough. And so, uh, you know, it's just a balance that we play and I have to play it all the time. How good are we and still put out a good product, keep people safe, not put ourselves out of business, not be too fast or too slow, not be, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's a, 
it's a, a dilemma. Like in my chocolate company, we are so slow. We, we put out a lot of product, but we hand paint everything. Very laborious. It's beautiful. When you look at it, there's really none better in Nashville. We are the, there's nobody that compares to us. Hard to make money, hard to scale it. How many people can do it like that? How many people can I train to do it? Pretty hard. You start having to get machines that do it. And it's not the same as handcrafted small batch products. So I fight this battle on every level. I understand it well. Um, okay. Then uh, this is a great episode, Mark. Oh, thank you. I, you know, I start off being a little controversial, which is fine. I want you to maybe, I might piss you off. I might say something makes you mad or I might say something that inspires you. It's all the same. Uh, this is what excites me about our industry and, and how I need to think differently. I think the main thing for me is I love still being curious. I still love being um, changeable. I still love being um, op just open-minded to what else is out there and what's happening that I'm missing and what do I need to change. And I think you start to uh wither as a business person if you stop being curious if you start being start feeling like you're the guy who knows who knows all this and not willing to look at other things uh and that may be fine too i, I understand being a little bit older or being set in your ways and you're happy with that again this, this is your race not my race my race is my race your race is your race and we're not in the same race we're not in the same like tommy Mello, 250 million dollar company the way he worked was, I think I work a lot. This guy worked way more than me. And somebody's like, you know, do you think you could do that? And I'm like, I think he wants something different than I do. Um, he just wants something different. And we all have that kind of, but, you know, we're in the United States of America. There's the most opportunity ever is right here is to build whatever you want. Super small and, and artisan and boutique or big and industrial and commercial and scalable, you know, whatever. All right. So thank you. So back to the event. Um, a couple things. There's technology. There's big money coming into our industry. And there is uh, how you are going to get out of your service business at the end of the day, what that looks like. That was kind of some of the big topics of the event. So let's just talk about technology and coming in, what's coming into home services to make you faster, more profitable. Now, everybody has something that they are going to um, sell you. If you just buy this, uh, your life's going to get better. I mean, in Surefire is that way. If you buy our training program, your life's going to get better. The key is you have to use it and implement it. And, you know, one of the number one things is, hey, uh, buy your program. It works. I can't get my guys to do it. Well, that's a you thing. You've not, you've decided if you can't get your people to do it, that's a leadership problem. Education is not as serious as it should be. Then if you can't, if you think education is serious, but your people won't do it, you haven't made it a priority because I, I guarantee you, you've got other things that you believe are serious that have to happen. And if education were one of those things, then this would be just, this has to happen because this is how we do it. Like we show up on time or we get to the customer's house on time, or you have to take this many pictures. You've got those processes. And if you can't do one of these other processes, that's a, that's a you thing and a focus, but back to these programs. What I notice, and a lot of people use Service Titan, and Service Titan is probably, from what I've seen, probably the most powerful platform out there for the home services industry. And they started, from what I understand, in the HVAC business. They've really, they've really 
built it out of that and then kind of come into chimneys a few years ago. And I know when they first came into chimneys, they weren't really ready for prime time. And a lot of people, it wasn't working and problematic. And maybe it still is for some people. But the main thing, what they have done so well is they've tied so many other vendors to them so that it integrates with Service Titan. And uh, Phone answering services, you know, through, you know, 24-7, AI-generated routing, AI-generated scheduling, um, AI-generated phone scripts and people on the phone, um, marketing, very specific marketing plans that are all tied in. Um, There's a lot of things that what they've done so brilliantly is they've tied in where the market is going with all these vendors that are really developing the latest, newest stuff are all tied in. And so I'm not on service Titan and I've looked at it several times, but I'm about to probably switch to it. I'm going to switch to it for my HVAC company right off the bat. And this is not a promotion for them. And I know there's some people on here that use service Titan. Some people hate it. But for me, when I look at what's happening, I, I have a standalone service right now with, for my CRM. And then I've built all these other things to it myself so if I change one thing in here, I got to change all these other things. And so like, I can't have my phone remotely. I can't have people go online and schedule appointments. You know, I have to have somebody answer the phone and take it. I, I, my marketing all plays off my QuickBooks, which grabs stuff and does things. And it's in sometimes little things break inside there. And, um, and sometimes there's a more of a laggard type of, of process. Some of our stuff is on Excel or Google Sheets. So my point is, when I saw how many people, when I talked to vendors and said, I'm not on that, like, ah, well, you kind of need to be on it to use us. Or if you don't, now it's a double or triple or quadruple entry system to, to do it as a standalone. And the more vendors I talked about that, I went, I realized that um, it's almost it's hard going to be hard to scale if you're not in some kind of very integrated technology integrated platform to do everything on it. Um, so here's guy says I love Tommy Mello but don't want to be him. Yeah, fair enough. And then another guy says F Service Titan big mistake I ever made in my business. They didn't tie shit in for me, and I've heard that too. I, I'm I, this is not a promotion for them, and I. I I'm just saying what I saw. So it's so funny. I see this and the very next one is it's the best thing we ever did. I've heard both of those so much. And I can tell you that I might. And then here is another thing. Service Titan is full of slimy. Might be the same person break off. Yeah. So that's a whole different thing. But I get that. And I think I know who's saying that um, because I've seen I've seen both of these. And so here's another one. It, it, this is the battle. I'm with Lee. I'm not on either side of the fence. Please. Oh, uh, my thing's getting, got bare. All of a sudden I can't see it. I'm not with anybody on this at all. I'm not, um, I'm not an advocate for them or anything. What I have seen is how well they've tied a lot of things together. And the people who love it really love it. And the people on the outside, which I'm in that category, have to create things that replicate what we want to happen or it's hard. And, and, and again, I don't know all the services or, you know, I know the service pal and, and several other, um, uh, other companies out there that, that have products. My screen has gotten crazy on me. I don't know. Oh, there we go. It's back. So um, 
I'm not. I'm, I'm not here to say that. I'm just saying the future is your so- so- software needs to understand AI routing. It needs to understand AI scheduling. It needs to understand if you want to grow it, people that can answer the phone scripting and still book onto your system. Um, and, and that's and, and some of this is old news to people. Some people don't want it, but I'm just saying that's for me what got exciting. And I'm going to start very small with this company because I've only got a couple of trucks at HVC, and all my guys on HVC know it, understand it, and love it. They were so excited that I said that I'm going to look at to start small on HVC, and they all knew it. They all had been using it for years. And um, that was interesting to me how much they loved it. So I think if you can get it set up right and and there's so many people that it's it's very divided. And I've talked about it, too, because people love it or hate it. This one says, uh, when's the last time service Titan ever gave or did anything for our industry? So I don't know the answer to that. I, I haven't been following them. I when I did demos for them years ago. I, I didn't like when I looked at it eight years ago, it just, I said, this isn't, I'm not going to do it. And sure enough, it didn't really take off. Then it came back a couple of years ago and did another demo and I liked it, but I had a lot of the other things built and I really didn't see the expense. Then this year, when I tried to use other vendors that had good products, I couldn't. So then it started to hit me a little differently that I might be, I might be on the back side of things again. And you got to do you. I'm just telling you what I saw. So Levi, they use it up there at uh, All American. He said setup is the key. And that's what everybody says. Uh, I've heard some of their customer service wasn't great. Wasn't uh, at, at one time. They didn't respond well. Uh, some of the. And, and so it's interesting that Levi says this because I know the owner of his company hated it the first time. He was one of them that was so against it. He tried it like seven, eight years ago. And it wasn't ready. And his owner was one that said, this is the worst thing ever. Kind of like our other guest was saying our other. So it's surprising that that owner of Levi's company came back and said, it's the best thing we've done. When he said it was the worst thing we ever did. And I think he almost drove a lawsuit against them because it was so bad. And so Levi said, fact, yeah, I know that story pretty well. So thank you, Levi, for, for saying that. Uh, Lee says lots of setup. If you don't put in the work, you're going to hate it. I, at one point they were, and I didn't mean this to go off on service time, but we might as well talk about it. At one point they were trying to tell me that this uh, service software was going to save me people in my office. I, I would not have to have two or three spots. And I think they've backed away from that. It's almost like, no, you're going to have to have a full-time integrator for this spot. And tell me if I'm wrong, but you're going to have to have somebody that absolutely owns it all the way through. And it doesn't necessarily save you any people. First, it might cost you people. But later, uh, you know, there was a guy on here, DJ uh, Ben Cross said he runs 27 service trucks with one CSR person and most everything else is AI or he didn't say AI. He said service Titan handles all the other stuff for us. And he's got one customer service person for 27 trucks. Now, I don't see how it's done. I, w- I would love to go see it. I believe him that he has that figured out. I do not have it figured out. I've got like one service person for about three or four trucks. And But if you can save that, less headaches, less people, grow the production side and keep the overhead down, sounds pretty interesting to me. And this battle that we're battling that sounds like a good thing. And Lee, I don't know if you could talk to this, but um, 
has it saved you people? And can you see how it could save you customer service people, you know, people answering the phones and doing all that in the future? Because I don't know the program enough and I'm not here touting. I'm just saying what I see. Um, and then we have, yep, full-time SD handler required, right? So that's that's what everybody says that you have to do that. So not only is it expensive per month, you have to have a full-time person that just implements it. But I think it's a more of a building process and you're building a different foundation for your company that you can grow higher on. The foundation is a nightmare to set up, it sounds like. And but it it has once you get the foundation set up, there's a lot of a lot of growth that can happen from it. So um so this says two is Two is one, one is none. I'm not sure what that means. Um, but um, so that was, oh, okay. He said it saved me at least three people so far. And I don't know if you want to say how many people, how big your company is, but you've got a good size chimney company. And so far he, he and Lee knows his business. So he's saying it saved three people so far. So let's just say that's $50,000 a year on an overhead person, $150,000 a year. I would bet that's probably less than he's paying for the service software that does all the other things. Um, anyway, that's uh, so that that is one thing that is what's coming. These service providers are trying to be less standalone from what I saw at this event. Now, maybe again, you, you learn more when you go to different things. And but this is the the flavor of the day for me right now. And I felt for the first time that I need to, I'm going to have to really re up at, not during business season, never change your software during business season. If you can all per, do it, but I was always looking at another software that, I, that I'm using and I've tried to go away from it. And once you start using software, it's hard to get off of it, but there's a time when certain software just runs its course and it's not the new thing anymore. It, it starts to get behind and other things start to pass it up. And as a service provider, I have to set us up for being ready for the future stuff. I don't necessarily like to be on the front of technology, the very front. That's a very dangerous bleeding edge. And I've been there before. I'd rather be just behind, just behind so that the, the bugs can get worked out and then I can enter because the bigger your company gets for me, the harder it is to make these big changes. You end up spending, you can spend fortunes and, and, and nothing changed. You, you lost it all. And, and I've been there too, where I really put in on something and it didn't pan out and you just lit that pile of money on fire and it went away. So I like being slightly on the back edge of technology. I, I like to be on the front side of culture. I like to be on the front side of, you know, doing good things for people and customer service and all that. But technology, I've been burned on so many times. I'm kind of a little bit on the back side of that. Uh, Levi says we have GPS chat and Google reviews, email blasts, all integrated, saved us 500 bucks a month from separate apps, right? Yeah. That's another thing. Um, not only the separate apps and we have some of those too, that we pay monthly for, for our Google reviews and for our, um, chatting ability for, you know, and all those things, but then it's not integrated. There's a lot of double entry of the customer name so that it tracks and some of the inspection software is like that you've got to enter it's not built into the the platform you've got to enter it in and then attach it so uh also lee says there are consultants that can help you now right there's several consultants in the chimney industry 
that are run chimney companies that do consult. And three of them I know offhand are, uh, I think John Caesar does it. I think um, Josh Kelly does. It. I think Brandy Biswell does it. And there's some people out there that run chimney businesses that know how to set this up. So I know for sure back when I looked at, nobody knew it. So when you start talking chimneys to these HVAC guys, they, uh, they didn't, they were, they're about learning, but they've put a fortune into this company. So anyway, Enough of that. Not not promoting them. I'm just telling you what we're doing. And and to me, one of the values of this show is I'm just going to be honest with you when I know something or when I'm trying something new. So, you know, maybe I can hear good and bad. And for here, I, I, I can tell there's like one to two users that do not like it and three to four, three or four people saying they do like it. So, you know, that's a that's a t- I could give you any name of a software and like, because I've recommended software we use a bit in the past, and some people had great luck with it, and some people hated it. And so I've had the same thing with something I've used for since 2006. So anyway, moving on. The next step of business, and this may apply to some people, and again, you may not have any interest in this, but there is a lot of money, private equity fund money and uh, strategic partner money moving into the chimney industry. It's already happened in a couple of places. One of them that I know happened was up in um, Chicago, a big home services company bought a big chimney company up there and has tried to grow that invested in the owner sold out to them. And I think they've had a hard time with that company, but not to go into it, but, but in several places, big money from what they were saying at the event was a lot of the private equity people have a lot of money and they were investing tech in tech businesses a lot, but tech is flattened out. And then in fact, they're the biggest layoffs in the, you know, in the most of the biggest layoffs in the country are, are around tech and they're really liking home services. So I know a ton of money moved into HVAC and is buying up these HVAC home services companies. A ton of moving money has moved into plumbing and all these bigger home services. And they're starting to move into chimneys. Um, I know of a couple. I do know that like there's a big vendor out there that everybody knows in our world. He was a chimney guy. He got investment uh, and he he really grew his services side. I mean, his uh, supply side a lot. And then he got more investment and they, they sold him bought another vendor and they're, you know, a huge vendor. And they did that through, you know, uh, investment or, or, or outside money. Well, at this event, at this event, um, almost everybody on stage had sold part of their business to private equity. And I was really shocked to hear that. Um, they had almost all built up got an evaluation done and then got a payday. And a lot of them are still working in the company. Like they were, one guy had sold out and he's out, but uh, several of the guys, Tommy, one of them sold a big chunk of it and got uh, basically got a money partner is what he did. He got a money partner and um, he still runs it, but they took a lot of that pressure off of him. Plus he can grow and expand his footprint with, kind of an open checkbook as long as you I'm, I'm not saying that's the way to go either because there could there's headaches i've dealt with private equity before and other businesses but he said and i'll quote um if you're not looking to get investment in the next five years you're messing up and i was like what i wasn't even thinking of that he said it for a couple reasons he said one yeah 
owner gets a big payday, even while he's still in the business. And two, he had a pretty good structure to pay out his senior people too from that investment. So they got a payday too. And I thought that was very interesting. Instead of waiting to the very end, he did a, he, he positioned himself in a, in a, in I'll go into how he got a really good payout. And I'm not saying a lot of people in the industry couldn't get any money and private equity will not be interested, but what if you understood enough to set up your business that way? So three to five years later, you are at least positioned to be uh, to be interesting to to have a, a big payday or an investment or a, and also again, Tommy had a big payday for himself and made several people on his senior team wealthy all in the same day. And he's like, that felt good to me and felt right. Versus you know, at the end of the day, just closing the doors or hand it to your kids or selling it. And the employees like I work for them and now they're gone. So again, I thought it was very, I never heard of this exactly. So yeah, so this is, I, he's Croatia's top tech. Love it, man. Keep it up. I, I, I love Croatia. Oh, this must be JJ. This is JJ. (laughs) So hey JJ. Uh, And then he created 16 millionaires with this deal. Thank you, Lee. I did not know it was that. He was. He didn't say that. Maybe you knew it from. I didn't hear him say that at the event. But he said a lot of people had seven-figure paydays. Again, he built a hundred fifty million dollar business. There's no chimney business that is that big in the U.S. And I'm not saying that is your goal either, because I said he wants something different than I do. But wow, can you imagine? And it, you know, uh, doing that for people. And, and again, I, I know. You know, we sold there's that's not gonna happen, but nice paydays. Not at the end. These guys are all 40 years old, roughly, some a little older, some a little younger, and and built and worked super hard and got a payday, not waiting till the end. And all these people didn't have equity ownership, from what I understood. They were just part of the senior management team. And Tommy decided to when he decided to bring on partners, he sold a chunk of his company, not all of it. He still retains a big chunk of it, and he made everybody, including himself a big fat payday. I'm like, Oh, that's so interesting. Uh, and so, um, so, uh, Oh, you know that through offline conversations. Awesome. Thank you. I'm just so excited about it. So interested in this, uh, that, um, it's given me a lot of energy and excitement for the first year. got to get through my business season right now. And then we are going to, I'm basically going to take my company and flip it over. Um, we're going to go through kind of a rebranding thing, not different names, but, uh, you know, an updated look and updated everything. We're going to go through a software change. We're going to go through uh, just evaluations. We're going to because even if you don't sell a business or you're going to sell a business, having an evaluation done, having people come in and look at you without you even wanting to sell and saying, here's the things that are good. Here's the things that are bad. You have a chance to fix those while you still are young, have energy, have your health to, to when that day comes, you're more ready for that day than the day just sneaking up on you. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I get calls all the time. I mean, all the time people asking me to buy them uh, last second. They're like, that's eh, not working out. You want to buy my company literally all the time. Well, that's not how I want to do it. When it comes time, I want to have options. And it seems like bringing, and I've had a guy on the show, uh, Garrett DeCosimo. We talked about this a year ago, two year and a half ago, about setting your company up in that way. Well, one of the ways you do that is you invite them in to criticize you. 
one of the things that Tommy also said, uh, so here was what he, uh, so equity intensive programs. Okay. Yeah. That's the name for it. And then Jeremy says 30% to give away to employees is a great buy-in. Right. He said, yeah, when you, when you tell them it's what you're working for. And there's some of that is a, I think earned, earned out, you know, you've got to perform for so long before you get all the money. But anyway, um, Oh my, I just drew a blank on what I was getting ready to say about uh, the next level stuff. But, um, oh, one of the reasons he said he got a really high multiplier on what his business was worth was because he had created an amazing training program for generating technicians. And he had a saying that I liked a lot, A1 from day one. He said A1 garage. So his method was um, how do I create technician from zero? Basically, nobody knows anything about garage doors typically, but he had such a great training program. He's built, he's got garage doors in his, in his facility. He's got living rooms set up. He's got a way to show his products, train his people. And I think he was saying they were graduating 50 people out of 50 technicians at a time. Again, I just, I, I want to take it, back, reel that back and say, what can I learn from this? What can we do? Can, you know, I've, I've got a good training program, but I can see all the holes in it too. So again, the big shifts for us are really going to be even more into training, more into generating people with a simpler system that, uh, because the, the equity company from what I understood said, you've cracked one of the codes that when we're trying to look at other service companies to buy or invest in, one of the biggest problems is I can't get anybody to do the work. If you solve that problem, now you're so much more investable. You're so much more bankable. You're so much more, you're able to grow. Let's just say you don't want to sell it, but you develop a training process that absolutely will generate a a known, uh, equation at the end that I will put this many technicians through it and this many pop out and then this many will last. Like what is the value of that then becomes uh, the process that people will buy years ago. I can't remember his name. He started the franchise hoods, H O O D Z and ducks D U C T Z. Then he later went on to uh, grow a company called title boxing and he was talking to me about um, how he developed a referral-based program for his business. And I, I never could make this work, but it was one of the reasons he, he got a 10x multiplier on EBITDA, which is unheard of in uh, in, our, in service-based companies. Normally you get two, three, maybe five. But he created a referral program for his uh so he he would send you a credit card, a literally like a refillable credit card that was had your company name on. So let's just say that Ashbus is on, but I send it to you. I send it to Jeremy Maynard, and I said, "Hey, keep this in your pocket. I'll put money on it every time you refer my company." So every time Jeremy would refer Ashbusters, and the customer said, "I heard you about you from Jeremy," I'd put twenty dollars on your credit card and I'd send you a text. Hey, thanks for the referral, $20 on your card. And it just sits in their wallet. One, it's your card in the wallet all the time. So I see your name all the time, but it gains money all the time. It Money gets added on to it without me having to send them a gift certificate or, uh, or my own credit card or my own you know gift certificate from Starbucks or whatever. He had it set up. So it was a refillable credit card and he had built, he had almost no money in, um, in marketing, but he built this referral network so good that just 
people just couldn't wait to refer his company. And when these companies wanted to buy him, he had this built-in army of people that basically got paid, you know, every almost because he said also, don't wait until um, the end of the month to send them money, send it to them immediately. The more dings they get, the money went in, money went in, the more it, it triggers. Don't wait till once a month we send out the invoices. He said, we sent it out instantly. Sometimes people got multiple in a row and I sent out every time one came in. I didn't send two at a time or three at a time. He said every single time. And it just built that thing that if I do this, I get that for the customer. And he had an amazing program and made a fortune on his referral program. So every company does something really, really well. Every company does it. They do something super well. And in that room, he showed we do this well. And somebody else may do something else well. But if you can find that thing, and I think if you have an investing uh, company come in and evaluate you, tell you what you're good at, then you can start working on those things. Because even if you don't sell, you working on those things probably makes you run better, makes you see blind spots that you didn't see before, and, and makes you look at um, look at your business with fresh eyes. One of the things they said is you got to put your ego down when it comes to your business. A lot of people are super egocentric around their business, their name, their colors. Uh, And he said, you know, this is not about that. If you have an ego issue, you're probably not, not going to want to sell or do the changes we say, because you're, you're so tied to your systems and your, how you do things that you can't, you can't really listen. When I purchased um, our powder coat company, I told the owner of that the same thing. I said, this is this company here, Burrotech. I said, when I buy your company, you're going to hate me. You're not going to like what I do and what I want to do to change your company because I can already look at your business and see things that I'm, I'm going to change. They're the things that kept you where you are. They're the things that when you hit a million and a half dollars, you were stressed out and couldn't go any further. Your your ending point, your total stress out point is my starting point. So to to get through to the next level, to get this powder coating business to four or five, 10 million, I'm going to have to break a lot of things. It gets super ugly and you're not going to like it. Well, when these companies come in, they are going to have to break some of the things that got you to where you are, but are also holding you back from going there. What got you here will not get you there. And you got to put your ego to the side and let people kind of, you know, change it. Eh, some people want to do that. Some people don't. Man, I've already gone over five minutes, um, but I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here. I love that referral card idea. That's genius. It is genius. Here's the thing, Josh. Anybody figures this out, let me know. I cannot find a refillable card anymore. I talked to banks. I talked to Visa. What you really need for this to work, and somebody figures this out, let me know. But they, you have a card that you can send to somebody. And then I can, from or a customer service person, can put money on that card remotely. Now, some people buy a ton of $20 cards and just send them out. Well, then you got mail and you got all this stuff. And, and I, I, want, I like this automatic program that you could put it in. So, man, somebody figures it out. I think it'd be great for the chimney industry. And uh, also, Josh says there's no room for ego in the chimney game. And then also, need to admit your company is a crypt keeper level ugly baby oh need to know a creep keeper level ugly baby that's hilarious so yeah i mean some of these businesses are ugly uh this guy that i bought the one business from he had a good business it was very good very clean very good product super high quality very high prices 
he was just limited. He, everything was written by hand. He had old school methods. He had to do all the work. He couldn't let anybody else be in charge of anything. And he just, it was, it was done for him. And you know, what's funny. I bought him out. He built a house in Florida and then he came back to Nashville and he started like a seal coat business where like seals driveways, same model, same thing, just applying a product to a product value based business. And he's going to probably run the same things. Uh, Zell, Zell can do that. So the thing about, I know you can send Zell easy enough. You'd have to have, they have to accept. There's a little bit of stuff. What I really liked about him is he had a card and the card was in the wallet and the wallet came out or the purse came out and your card was always in there and they would reach that card out and swipe it and, or tap it. And then it was your name always in front of them. But again, I wonder if cash app, has that so maybe but again that's the same as zell i want to again the the secret is success and i'm not saying these won't work but it was a card in their hand that was refillable and they got a text that hey and also he made he kind of had a funny thing where he's like you know if your wife knows you got cash she always wants it but on that card she has no idea how much money i got on there so i let that baby build and buy what i want to buy and the wife never knows it because she doesn't get the bank statement from it. you know it was kind of funny that he said that uh diane says nice topic discussion good night diane thank you so much diane appreciate it cash app has a car now be interesting to see if anybody has time to research that. Can I buy a bunch of Cash App cards? Can I send them to customers? Can I buy 100 of them, 200 of them? Put customer's information on there and then refill it as they refer my company. So I'm going to end if you guys figure that out. Uh, Cody says, we use Zapier and Webhooks that tie directly to HCP for automation. So uh, HCP is, is that uh, House Call Pro, I think? So again, so Housequall Pro is is also building this. They've built a learning process, kind of. They've built some of these things, these hooks in. So Cody, yeah, that so that that product works for you, and it sounds like they are another one of those companies that are trying to tie in more things to their, their open API process of their of their software. So. Guys, great topic. Loved it. So much interaction. Great amount of people uh, watching tonight. Ran a little long. Um, appreciate it. I was again last week. I was I was gone. This week I'm I'm here for this. Uh, hopefully, people are going to come to HPBA. It's in Nashville this year, and uh, I think it's in February. Uh, going to be an amazing show. CSI as most of the education uh, for that, or some of the education. It's going to be a combined show between HPBA. It's their show, and CSI is the education provider for a lot of it. And uh, and they're kind of leaning more chimney service technician. Uh, and semi service company uh, education and thought process that we're not just the low level guys in the industry anymore. So that's exciting. Uh, leave us a thanks, Mark. And Cody says, Hey, great show, Mark. Can't wait to see more. Love it. I know sometimes I have guests and some people like when I have guests, some people like when I just riff on something like tonight. And, um, uh, you know, I got so, I, sometimes I run out of topics. So, Feel free to shoot me a text message or Facebook message. Hey, love you to go off on this topic or love to know more about this topic. And and I'll tell you what I know about it or research it and, and have it open for discussion. To me, this is what this industry needs. More open discussion, more back and forth, more insight, even more, you know, people that argue with other people saying, I believe this, I believe that. That's good stuff to me. I don't have any problem with it. I have different opinions than a lot of people in the industry. 
that's fine. Nobody should be shut out. You know, the, the best ideas usually win out over time. Results matter. Follow the guys that have the results that you want. Look at their companies. Do they have the results you want? Uh, if they do, follow them, listen to them. If they don't, you know, follow somebody that does. Like for me, I'm always looking for somebody to follow. I don't, I love being the leader of things. But now there's much bigger companies that have different leaders and different processes that if we're going to go to the next level, which I'm always interested in, until I'm not. And then if I'm done, I'm done. I plant the flag in the field of battle and say, this is what I did. I'm out. See you guys. Somebody take it from here. But until then, I am looking for the next step, the next best thing, the next right thing. That excites me. I hope it excites you guys. Man, thank you guys so much for the compliments. Uh Good stuff. Uh, why was uh, so we can if somebody wants to I don't know who said private message me that I don't want to get into that, but it wasn't my deal. So anyway, uh, I will thank you guys. We try to do it next Tuesday night. The next day I get to I'm going to go to Las Vegas for the um, for the F1 race. So I'm excited to go see the F1 race in uh, Vegas. It's going to be epic. It's going to go right down. Uh, Broadway and in Vegas. And um, I, I like team McLaren on F1. Uh, They're my favorite team and uh, they've got some really exciting young racers. And so I rented on Turo, which is a car renting thing where it's almost like Airbnb for your own car. I rented a McLaren out there for the event to go to that thing. So I'm super excited. Uh, I've been to one F1 race. I went to the Netherlands and watched that rained on us the whole time, but this time it's in Vegas. So hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. All right, guys, hope you're doing well. Talk to you soon. See ya. Thanks for listening to the blue collar gold podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.